Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 219. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Brent Wingate. This week, Disney Plus has a new show called Moon Knight in the Multiverse of Madness. There's a bunch of news about different universes, including the death of the Justice League, an <laughs> alternate for Cohen era, and Marvel's making room for more Captain America in your goddamn life. And then we'll finish, finish you with the comic book issues and a plug me daddy. But it's just called Moon Knight, right? Yeah, it's just called Moon Knight. But uh, when I, yeah, we're going to, well, let's all go on down to the trailer park. All right, we're going to start with Moon Knight. Uh, The reason why I had a little spasm there was because I didn't realize uh, so much of Moon Knight's story was uh, centered around like mental health issues. So that when I told Tristan about who Moon Knight was, I basically said, you know, he's a, a, a veteran or he's a soldier who is imbued with power from an Egyptian moon god named Khonshu. And then I showed Tristan the trailer, which I had also not seen. And he said, that doesn't sound like anything. The trailer is nothing like what you just described. Uh, How did the trailer grab you guys? And why do you think Oscar Isaac is British? So I think the trailer looks kind of good. I mean, it to do Moon Knight right, you have to come at it from you know something that's something we haven't uh, seen at all in the, in the MCU, and I think the trailer kind of established that. I think Oscar Isaac is probably the right person to play Mark Spector, aka Stephen Grant, uh, aka Moon Knight. Um, so uh, I think I think it looks good. I don't know why he's British. Somebody said that. Apparently, Stephen Grant, which is the alter ego that's an, ostensibly an archaeologist, is British. But I don't remember that from the comics. But I'm sure Clark will uh, will school me here in a second. I don't. I don't know him well enough. Well, Steve Grant now is a gay country music singer, so he's had a very varied career. The funny thing is, there is a there is a comic book writer called Stephen Grant who's written a bunch of Marvel stuff back in the day, and I. As a kid, I was like super confused. I was like, wait, the writer of The Punisher is also uh, Moon Knight? So is there any so story? you were an idiot. Expect- what do you mean was? I still am. Is there any storyline you expect to play out of having seen the trailer now? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to go all the way back to the very beginning. Um, of, he was introduced in Werewolf by Night, uh, which is a, another kind of like supernatural Marvel which character. We will be getting Gail Garcia Bernal is going to play him. Yeah. And his name is uh, Jack Russell, as in the uh-huh. dog. But when they created him, <laughs> they didn't realize it. They just they just did it. And they were like, Oops, they didn't I guess realize that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that, that's apparently the story. Um, that's like naming so, her Gail Weathers and being like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, like Doug Monk uh, and Bill Sienkiewicz's like seminal run in the 80s, I think will probably play pretty heavily into this stuff. The character that um, Ethan Hawke is playing, you know, he's the antagonist. Um, he was like featured in like one issue during that run, I, I, I want to uh-huh. say. Uh, so I'm sure they'll be mining some of that, but I got to believe in the last few years, you know, well, right now you've got uh, Jed McKay's run on Moon Knight, which is quite good. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Lemire's run uh, from a few years ago, I'm sure will play into this. Um, and then, uh, and then even though he's canceled Warren Ellis and uh, Declan Shelby's run too is, is probably going to be featured as well. So I'm sure it'll be like a, a mishmash of a lot of different, like, uh, different runs over the last few years and then also over the last few decades. I so, used to watch oh, soap operas so much that just the thought of dissociative identity disorder kind of bores me because that happened all the time in soap operas. Like, I've got 17 personalities and they all date each other and everything like that. Um, so I never really got into him. I With Jim McKay's, Jim McKay's is the first one I've really read and they haven't really used all the dissociative stuff right now, so... I haven't had any issue with that. Um, I will tell you that the one that they will not use, the worst runs, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, 
where uh, Moon Knight would was hallucinating. Yes. Uh, being with Spider-Man, Wolverine, and, I, and Captain America. Yeah. And like, it was all in his head, but like, they were like featured as like co-stars and it was awful, fucking awful. That, I that didn't not, want to get anywhere near that one. That's just like, no, it's uh, awful. Sorry, Clark. Uh, well, the say? fact, oh, sorry, go on, Clark. All right. I mean, I'm moderately looking forward to it. I didn't quite know why he was British either. And the accent is um, a little rough. It's also not like, I don't want to be like, I'm not stereotypical, but it's not the usual ar archaeologist accent. Archaeologists who sound like some snotty upper crust jerk, and he sounds a little too street. <laughs> he's very cocky. He's very yeah. Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins. It's um, like, oh, Mary Poppins. It's like, it's, it's, it's so fake cockney. You're 100% yeah. right. Well, they do have the, the person or him say, why are you calling me Mark? So maybe his having a, a terrible fake accident is part of him having, you know, this a dissociative identity disorder where he can't really do a British accent, but he thinks he's British. <laughs> so his other identity is just some sort of idiot who pretends to be British. It's like Madonna with her weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Madonna. What? No, shut up. You're from Michigan. Well, um, so Ethan Hawke is supposed to be playing Randall Spector. So presumably we will get Shadow Knight. Um, but I don't think Ethan Hawke has a British accent. So maybe he is still playing his brother. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, it looked good. It seemed very intense, which I like. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out compared to any of the other MCU shows because this is the first one without any ties to any of the movies. Yeah, for sure. And of course, yesterday we had the news that the other lead villain, Gaspard um, Uliel, the actor, died in a um, skiing accident. So I, as I said, as soon as I found out, this is going to be a really hard watch for a series of a character who's supposed yeah, to be in every single episode. Yeah, uh, it's very um, it's very uh, Brandon Lee in The Crow. Uh, uh, thinking about like a kind of a dark hero there as well, and then uh, Clark. I think and we you also told have us this. Yeah, you we have the Joker. We have we have Heath, God. Why did I just lose his name in my head? Heath Ledger and the Joker is if another one is. He oh, never actually yeah. saw that movie come out either. Yeah, that's super sad. Um, no, what I was going to say is uh, Sharon Carter is going to be in this show as well. Yeah, like she's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, as as what 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 was her name again? The uh, what was her like power alter, broker? Like a bag, power broker. Oh, the power yeah. broker. Yeah. I, yeah. Why did I forget that? Which I guess will be the she. She to looks like totally of out of place in that that just, picture. There's a picture of Diane where she just looks like some idiot looking around a corner. <laughs> she has a very um, Ivanka Trump uh, Ivanka Trump vibe. Like I don't know uh, why you're here or how you made it to where you're at, but. I mean, I guess go off, girl, whatever. I'm not particularly excited <laughs> about it now. <laughs> She's just here to return some videotapes, Brent. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, anything else on Moon Knight? No, it's starting March 30th. Uh, we'll be reviewing it on podcast. Uh, otherwise, that's been our trailer park. It's a news flash. It's the news, but a lot slower than you'd think, given the title. <laughs> all right so we up next we got the x-men house of x 92 so it's xxci or whatever the fuck it is xcii excuse me uh so the the krakoan era is coming to our favorite tv show the cartoon for uh the 1992 run of x-men Claremont's Blue and Gold Era is going to be all connected with some Krakoan nonsense. Written by Steve Fox, who we actually talked about um, in our Steve Orlando interview when he did Party and Play, writing with Steve Orlando. Instead of Moira McTaggart, we're getting instead some quote-unquote mysterious long-lived woman. And I don't know what the fuck else is going to happen in it. That's all I got. What do you guys think? Well, I think the uh, alternate I mean, title should be uh, Charles XCII. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking hate you you dumb bitch i hate you I so like much <laughs> but i'm very excited i'm kind of excited about this uh i do I, I i think it's very interesting to try and figure out how to balance 
these two major storylines that I think a lot of people enjoy these big moments from and which do you pick from which and how do you create new ones that still keep it interesting because otherwise you're just rehashing with a slightly different flavor. It reminds me a little bit, um, a few years back, um, there was a writer named Chris Sims who used to write for Comics Alliance, which is a pretty cool website. It's now defunct called X-Men 92. Uh, and it was just, it was a comic series set within the continuity of, of the animated series. And um, it was a breath of fresh air because it was during an era when the X-Men comics weren't particularly very good. Um, and so, you know, it definitely harkened back to some nostalgia, which I think can be problematic with the X-Men writ large. Uh, because, you know, when you look back, like the series never progresses and the series is best when it progresses. But this is actually kind of interesting. Um, I think I think it's uh, I gotta believe this is like a miniseries. This cannot be ongoing. Uh, although I don't I don't know if the uh, if Marvel has announced it one way or the other. But I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's let's see like what uh, a Krakoan era would would look like in this continuity. Uh, the mysterious long lived woman. My guess is it's probably Destiny. They're gonna flip the uh, the script a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, somebody who's lived really long or maybe even Mystique, you know, who's also lived like a really long time. Uh, I can't really think of anybody else. Maybe, maybe Genesis as an Apocalypse's wife, but like uh, that seems I like was, a reach. I was thinking Amanda Mueller, who is Black Loom, had a lot of connections with every single thing that happened with um, Charles Xavier's father and everything in the past and K. Marco's father and stuff. She would just showed up in X-Men Legends where she was incredibly important to the storyline. Um, I mean, that's just one I, I, yeah, your other ones make much more sense, but I think she's a good other choice. Yeah, uh, and also Steve Fox, um, he's queer. So glad we're getting more uh, queer voices on the X-Books, even if they're out of continuity. We're done, with, we're, done, we're, done, we're done, all right. Yeah. X-Men Red, we just got a good X-Men Red interview with Al, um, Al Ewing where he basically said the sword, what he wrote last time, just got screwed over by the number of crossovers it wouldn't do. I think out of the, what is it? How many issues were there? Nine, 10, 11, 12? 11. 11, and there were three crossovers and one literally was the second issue was just crossover. Um, so, Thank goodness he's not going to deal with any of that shit. He can do what he wants to. Basically, what he was talking about is that it's basically Storm, Magneto, and um, Sunspot were the ones he, he's been touting as the main characters. But we've got Vulcan, who has gone from, like, we saw a picture of him to seemingly incredibly important because he, he's going to be dealing a lot with, um, excuse me, Ewing's going to be dealing a lot with the Shi'ar, the Shi'ar throne, because Sunspot's obviously dating Deathbird, and Deathbird used to be married to Vulcan, so there's definitely going to be some drama there, and they supposedly have, she got pregnant from him, so who knows what the fuck happened to that baby, so there's going to be a lot going on. He talks about Sunspot as like kind of a grand scheme, like ideas, kind of wheeler-dealer, trying to like get all these schemes together, and he also talks about there's going to be two teams, Storm versus Brand, who knows could be on anybody else's team, but we currently have WizKid, Manifold, Frenzy, and Cable showing up, as well as Magneto. And we're going to get a lot of Arako's Great Ring, which is, you know, their quiet council. So there's a shit ton of stuff. I'm looking forward to it very much. I I was already excited for this book, just based on the fact that it was Al Ewing and um, you know, the, the Storm being the lead, Magneto being on it, uh, obviously loving Sunspot. You know, uh, I think Arako has not been as deeply explored as I would like uh, in, during the, the now former Reign of X era. But this interview, my God, mm -hmm. I am like jonesing for this book. Like, let it be April 6th immediately, because that's when the first issue comes out. And I mean, it's like, like everything he was saying, I was like, this is what I want. It's like space espionage. It's got the X characters. It's got a lot of the, um, you know, it's got a lot of the uh, uh, Shi'ar stuff that I really, really dig. And then when he said, I am not doing a crossover unless there's a big X on it. Uh, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like he's not going to get pulled into whatever line-wide Marvel nonsense. Uh, oh, but one of them want, seemed like, like it was his choice <laughs> with Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, why do you make? <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I, he's also writing that book. But it definitely... <laughs> 
I mean, but like started like King and Black with like issues two and three of you know the run just seemed you know kind of kind of foolish, yeah. and then obviously Hellfire Gal, no, yeah, Hellfire Gala was certainly part of it, and that was like a, a X Men crossover, and I think that like kind of uh, fit, but like yeah, Annihilation just it, it felt the book just felt way too removed, and you had to read too many other things to make make sense of it. Uh, but Brett, what do you think? In this interview, this was the interview where he also said that we're really going to see Storm test the limits of what her being an Omega is. Because uh-huh. uh, I think, you know, Hickman resetting who's an Omega, what's it mean? Uh, it's only been relatively recently that we've had like Iceman really start to test it, like in the last issue of Marauders, or, or you know, at least even get excited in it with the, you know, in that, that long... Iceman Resolution Infinity comic. So having another character that's pushing the boundaries on something that had been kind of taken away, I think, from fans will be fun. How far can she go? What's the most powerful thing she can do? I'm one of those people who are like, I don't care. I don't care about anyone's Omega level ability or how much they can push them. I just want to see interesting fights. <laughs> Well, I think the um, I think that's definitely part of it. Um, yeah, I don't really care about like power limits. It's like whenever people ask who can who's stronger, the the Hulk or the Thing, I'm like doesn't yeah. matter. It just depends on how they're written. But like uh, the writer uh, of someone's caliber, like like Ewing, will find an interesting way to show off that power. That's mm-hmm. what I'm much more interested yeah. in. Yeah. Um, what other comic we got? So, speaking of Hickman, we've spoken a minute. Now that Hickman's eating, gone. Or wait, hold on, Clark. Are you eating uh, beef jerky, jelly beans? What's going on? Jelly beans. Okay. I have one single jelly bean in my mouth, and it's very important I have it. Clark, you know, Clark, you've got to sh- share with the rest of us, even though we're on Zoom. I'm pretty impressed with myself for guessing the sound of a person chewing jelly beans, because I didn't actually see what you put in your mouth. So, it's a Haribo, said- Haribo, and it's called, it's called Dragabus. Knock off jelly beans. I'm a this is a jelly belly podcast, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I like some jelly belly, hate some other ones, anyway. Jelly belly and Twizzlers, not fucking red stripe. Oh, I love it. Hey, you think there's gonna be a character on X Men Red called Agent Off Brand? <laughs> red, red. What, what are you talking about, anyways? Hickman, you know what he's doing? Remember how what he, is he doing the X-Men to, to do something really big. Well, the first thing announced is he's going to be doing one single story within Moon Knight, Red, White, and Blood. Isn't that great and exciting? Also, Guggenheim's going to, too. Isn't that exciting? It's like, and they're both in the same issue. It's like, why? Why? I know there's nothing that'll stop it, but I'm really sick of the uh, character, colon, three colors. Well, it's the same ones. It was, um, you know, Deadpool. Wolverine, now this one, right? Yeah, red, and white, shit. And blood. It's like, who's going to be bloody and stuff? I don't care. It's just Well, tired. I mean, and DC started this way back when, like with Batman Black and White, mm-hmm. which made sense. And then they did, now they're doing, they have been doing Superman Red, White, and Blue, uh, which I think is kind of, it, it, you know, that kind of works for that character. The, the blood stuff definitely, I think, worked for Wolverine. Deadpool, I never read. Uh, Moon Knight, I'm intrigued by only because John the Hickman. And he's joined by Chris Bacalo, who I think is a very talented artist. Uh, I don't always love his stuff, uh, but like you know, his run on Generation X in the '90s is absolutely fantastic. I loved a lot of his like indie and Vertigo stuff, um, you know. Uh, but I'm I don't know if those two have ever worked together. So I'm just like I want to read it just for that, and it could be a very slight story. So you know, Hickman does better on long form. Yeah. Tear the Guggenheim pages out. There you go. Um, meanwhile, we get news that Captain America, Sam, Sam Wilson, and Steve Rogers are getting two different series, which will start off with just Captain America Zero, dealing with having two Captain Americas. It's written by Colin Kelly, Jackson Lanzig, Tochi Onyebuchi, and artist Matea Del Ulis. First one up is Captain America, Symbol of Truth, and that one is going to be just Onyebuchi and Silva. That is... Um, Sam Wilson doing his public face Captain America and, and with the world trying to accept a black Captain America. And that's what the title is going to be about. He's going to be fighting against Arnon Zola and his Nazi nonsense. 
and Joaquin Torres, the new Falcon, who actually was also in the TV show, will be featured. And Captain America: Sentinel Liberty, it is Captain is uh, Steve Rogers, and written by Kelly and Lanzig, illustrated by Carmen Conero. And that's going to have Bucky in there as well. It's going to be him basically just, I don't know, pushing papers or something. It just seems like he's going to be out of uniform, chilling around. I don't, I couldn't tell you. There you go. What do you think? Look, I'm a bitch for a exploration of character identity. Uh, so this, I think, is very exciting. But I think the thing that I'm most looking forward to is the degree to which these comics will inform give a better grounding for the movies and TV shows because uh, what happened at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier was embarrassing uh, from a political perspective. It was not, it didn't really set off uh, Captain America great, I think as an icon on his own uh, or Sam Wilson icon. Uh, So if this can give any more uh, fuel for thinking about, uh, you know, diversity in, in major characters, then I'm all for it. Kevin? Uh Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, the last time there were two Captain America titles, Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson, it was setting up uh, the Secret Empire storyline, which was ap- just hated, you know, where yeah. uh, it was revealed that um, Steve Rogers was had been an agent of Hydra the entire time, and it was just stupid. And then once they, like, you know, hit the reset button, um, you know, uh, Sam Wilson goes, oh, the shield is yours, Steve. I'm going to go back to being Falcon again and just rank faults. It just was like, it was, you know, Marvel experimented in the mid uh, 2010s with having different legacy characters take over the mantle of their main heroes. Obviously, Sam Wilson being Captain America, Jane Foster being Thor, uh, so on and so forth. And then they like kind of just reverted back to form in a very conservative way of like bringing back, you know, the 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 original you know white men heroes um sam wilson is captain america in the mcu as people consume captain america content it will be billions of people across the earth like saying that like captain america is a black man with wings so of course marvel should do this uh you know in marvel you have two spider-men you know why why couldn't there be two captains america uh like i just think i think it it makes sense um the interviews i've read with uh, all the creators get me really really excited because um uh, Onya Bucci, I have not read any of his stuff, but like the way he kind of described um, the Sam Wilson Captain America book, uh, Symbol of Truth, it's like kind of a very espionage like forward type story, which is the kind of stuff I love to read, especially in Captain America. Uh, and then Sentinel Liberty, well, it seems like Steve is going to be in, um, in more planes clothes than actually in costume. I'm, you know, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, 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 Colin Kelly basically said that um, like Ed Brubaker, his run is a big inspiration for him. And Ed Brubaker's run is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think. Only one I like. Uh, it, yeah. It's of the last, of the last 15 years. I, I completely agree with that. Um, I don't like so, Captain America. Huh? Um, I, I am very excited for, for both of these. I, I definitely will be picking them up. Yeah, sounds good. Speaking of dead white men and white men that have to move their asses over, and the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman's coming up, so DC decided not to just kill Superman, let's kill the Justice League. Seems they'll be facing something called the Dark Army in April's um, number 97 issue of Justice League, and they're all going to die or something. We only see four pillars, Aquaman's, Wonder Woman's, Batman's, and Green Lantern, so I don't know if Superman's going to die in it. I don't know if whoever the fuck else is on the team is going to die in it. We also see Hal Jordan seems to be alive. Is is I don't know who is currently, who the hell's Green Lantern currently in Justice League? Well, they said that all of them are going to die except for one member. So you get to hold well, out hope that one person survives to tell the tale. Well, it's not going to be Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern then. Well, well they the they would have had to pre-made those coffins. Yeah. Well, anyways, why is Hal case. Jordan still standing there? Because he if sucks. He's the main, if he's the main Green Lantern. Uh, I haven't been reading Justice League title. I don't know if it's John Stewart who's uh, filling in the role for Green Lantern or somebody else. Uh, but I mean, one with the Green Lanterns, there's like, you know, there's like an infinite amount of them. Yeah, so exactly. any one of them can, can sort of step in, you know. So it is what it is. Um, but like all these main characters, in, and Superman is definitely going to be one that, that quote unquote dies for a while, or at least the Cal L version of Superman. 
they've all got legacy characters. Like you got like John Kent, who's like Superman, you know, son of Kal-El, who uh, is like was revealed to be bisexual quite recently. So he's going to step into that role. You've got um, um, Jace Fox, who is um, uh, uh, Lucius Fox's son, uh, the guy Morgan Freeman played in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, who's uh, stepping in as Batman as well. So I'm sure he's going to be. Did they say know, this? Like the, no, I'm. This is me speculating all of this. Uh, so they, there's, they're all leg- like they're going to kill them off for at least three, three to four months, and so all these folks are going to step in. I'm sure uh, to be to be some of these characters. I think. You know, it's a stunt, but sometimes stunts can be fun. Um, the death of, Super- death of Superman, uh, Funeral for a Friend, and Reign of Superman, like that entire like sort of like like two-year-long saga or a year-and-a-half-long saga was quite good. And for like 90s comics, it was a lot of fun. And it introduced a lot of characters I really like, like the, the Superboy of the 90s, Steel, Eradicator, and Cyborg Superman. Like, I think those are all like very, very interesting characters. So why not do this? I, I'm... I think it'll be. I think it'll be. I think it'll be great. I love it. We- Your version of uh, they the uh, the article that this was in basically said uh, it looks like the Justice League is going to be dead, and this time it looks like it's going to be for a while. Kayla, your speculation speculation is three months. <laughs> uh, Clark, what, what's your over under? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Batman has so many comics that I don't know how they're going to not have him in it. Yeah, that's it. Also, when Batman I read it, comics I thought, like, maybe best. a year. Batman comics I mean, they, are their number one. But I mean, Two, they, one they through seven up, or something. They killed Bruce Wayne off a while back, and Dick Grayson stepped into the cow. I mean, like, there's a million people who could be Batman. You I know. know, so they'll, they'll the comics will continue. That's not. I don't. Think, I don't think anybody cares about that. But I think it is funny that the Batman the movie is coming out in March, and then this is happening what in April. Uh, I mean, so, like, as soon as. Yeah, that's the yeah. same thing that Doctor Strange did. He's dead, and that comic, that movie comes out. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. All right, before Four we move on later. to the issues, uh, Clark, what is the best flavor of jelly bean? Um, champagne punch, which doesn't exist anymore. In well, no, it only exists if you buy it in like bulk on on um, Jelly Belly's website. Is that what those oil drums in the background are full of? What? Yes. I am. Uh, yeah, you got. You buy so much. <laughs> Kaylin, best flavor. Ooh, uh, margarita. I would also agree with uh, uh, Clark, but I like to add it with lemon. Get a little lemon in there. I like okay. those mix-ups. Yeah. I hate the people who do like popcorn and Coca-Cola, whatever. Makes me throw up. No, they can. What? No, Coca-Cola is good. It's terrible, but Coca Cola is great. I'm sorry. If you want to go to the movies and have that experience, go to the fucking movies and order some popcorn or make some pop secret at home. Don't put it in my jelly beans. Fuck all up. right, let's do the issues. Uh, it's our weekly recap of all things X, along with a few of our favorite Marvel House writers and characters. This week, we've got uh, the, uh, the is it the 10 lives of Wolverine mm-hmm. or is yeah. it the X lives? Okay, 10, 10 lives, lives of Wolverine, yes. number one. Uh, yes. Death of Doctor Strange, Black Knight slash X-Men, number one, and Devil's Reign, X-Men, number one. Okay, uh, The Lives of Wolverine. Uh, it looks like Wolverine has been conscripted to go back in time somehow and save Professor X from various attacks. Meanwhile, the story begins picking up some of the threads of prior X storylines, including Omega Red and Rasputin. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, but... Is this what you expected from a first issue? And where do you think the story is going to go now, given that we've gotten our first look? Kaylin? Well, I don't know what I, I, I don't know what my expectations were of this book because I've been very like hit or miss with Benjamin Percy's both X-Force and Wolverine. Like his Wolverine is better than I expected it to be and his X-Force is worse than I expected it to be. Um, I think it was a fine first issue but like the way that they've been hyping it up, they're comparing it to, you know, House of X, Powers of 10. There's no way that it could live up to that hype. Uh, it just felt like a continuation of what we'd already seen in, in um, both Wolverine and X-Force. It didn't feel like, like, it didn't feel like an event, really. It felt like just like Quantum Leap meets the Terminator grafted on to uh, uh, what, what already happens. Now, I, I, I have heard that apparently the 10 deaths of Wolverine number one, which is supposed to be coming out next week, follows up 
uh, almost immediately on Inferno. So we're going to get a little bit more of that connective tissue and it's supposed to be uh, quote unquote more bonkers than uh, this first issue. But I mean, it was fine. I didn't hate it. It just was like, eh. I liked it only in the fact that I liked seeing all of the um, Professor Xavier's family, you know, the birth and father and mother and da 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 da. da. Just, I like to get backstory on things. So I like that. Um, I mean, we already know, we were told in advance that it's going to be him rescuing 10 influential mutants. So, I mean, we're just going to see nine more of those. I didn't. I wasn't expecting the Omega Red full on. You know, he's the one going to kill everybody. Or well, I'm to. I'm glad to see that they're not letting that storyline die because I feel like he's kind of just been a prop for most of the plots, and for him to actually have like a more meaty role, I think, is good as a contrast to someone like Wolverine, especially in the Krakoan era. Um, I think the memo that they had about the resurrection protocols when it came to Omega mm-hmm. Red were very interesting about how, you know, the the five really think if you can fix someone, why shouldn't we be? Why can't we be making people better? Maybe we'd make them less violent. Um, and that there's a contrast with fucking the, the perpetual, the once in future asshole beast who's like, just <laughs> uh, you guys cook the orders we request. We've requested an order. Go cook. Uh, you know, what a dick. My Mark. favorite part was the memo page talking about how there's going to be there's now going to be two Russias. One Russia is Russia for mutants, and one is for humans. I found that very interesting. And yeah. like, is the Russian for humans like a puppet state? I think they mentioned now, just like you know, this mutants in control of him, and he's scared. I don't really know. It sounded very interesting. Taylor, what did you guys think of the fact that Marvel dropped this on Marvel Unlimited? Like, which is, you know, the the app that they have where you can read almost every Marvel comic out there, but they have, there's like a three-month delay for new books. Um, you know, this sort of just popped up, like, out of nowhere, and there wasn't a lot of fanfare around it, and I just sort of discovered it. Like, I was up late on Tuesday night, and it just popped up when I went on the app. I mean, to me, it feels like a choice to try and get pe- more people on Marvel Unlimited, but in so much of the advertising for it, that falls so far behind that I kind of expected it to be on Comixology uh, and thought it was weird that it was on Marvel Unlimited. I don't know, other than uh, a stunt, I can't see any reason why it would go there. Yeah, I definitely think they, they, Marvel, you're right, Marvel does want a lot of people getting on Unlimited. That's why they've been doing those Infinity Comics, which we'll talk about here in a second. But um, if I'm a local comic store owner, I mean, obviously, Comixology, like, kind of, like, kind of, you know, digs into it. But uh, the fact that, like, you didn't have to pay for this comic unless you're, and, like, you know, you're a subscriber, you pay, you know, whatever, you pay for Marvel Unlimited. But, like, you know, like, if I got this for free, would I go to the comic store and say, no, nah, I'm good, I don't, I don't need this issue, you know, uh, even though you put it on my pull list. Hopefully, if you pull it on a pull list, you know, the, the comic retailer that you go to, like, you know, has already paid for it to be shitty that, for you to put it back. But I just think like if I'm a comic book owner, a comic book store owner, like I would not be I would not be too thrilled about that. Uh, what is the crossover between uh, Marvel and Image readers and single issue buyers? I feel like there would be a bigger crossover with like graphic novel buyers. If you're hold, it's like a you're holding off on something versus wanting something immediately. Yeah. Those I are probably feel it's less of the Venn diagram is smaller than it would be for graphic novel buyers. Well, maybe it's a way of getting people yeah. into uh, the other way around. Maybe it's a way of getting people onto comiXology by like, Hey, look, there's this interesting storyline. Why don't you try and pick up what's going on? You know, currently sooner. Marvel Unlimited, not comiXology. Um, I mean, it's also the other way. Like, no, hey, I, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's they put it on Marvel Unlimited to say, hey, get interested in this story. This so is connected to more stories. Comic so go to Comicsology. No, they want to say get it at a comic book store. I mean, they don't say that, but they say get it somewhere. Yeah, it's yeah, maybe it's 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 giving away. It's like it's like uh, Marvel and DC used to do these like ten cent issues, like that would kick off storylines, like. Like Batman Murderer uh, or Batman Fugitive was like a ten cent issue back in the early two thousands. That's what this almost feels like. But instead of it being ten cents, it's free. 
so, uh, Mark Wade's Fantastic Four was free. That first issue with him and Mike Waringo back in 2002 or 2003. Uh, one of the, uh, so the uh, 10 Lives of Wolverine number one was written by Benjamin Percy and illustrated by Joshua Kassara. Um, one of the Infinity comics that you mentioned, Kalen, is uh, Life of Wolverine, which was written by Jim Zub and illustrated by Ramon Box. Uh, so um, Gene is trying to help Wolverine live, relive his past, kind of connected as this you know sub story to the Ten Lives of Wolverine. In this one, we start with James Howlett, who is a sick little rich kid in the 19th century Alberta who's just committed his first murder. Um, <laughs> what the fuck was this? What could this possibly have been for? They've just given us his entire history because I don't know. They Wolverine's great or something. Um, it's just it's a way to flesh out the stuff a little bit more and give give it more dimension for people who may not have read Wolverine Origin or Origins Two. Um, I don't know. I've never. I've ne- I I know like when I lost interest as a character in Wolverine is when Wolverine Origin was published. When we were, but when we finally got his like full backstory, or as you know, close to full backstory as we got, when you find out he's like a kid in 19th century Canada, and I, I was like, I am so not interested in this. The mystery of Wolverine was much more intriguing than the the secret backstory of Wolverine. But, uh, but so Wolverine is just churn butter. Wolverine is just an um, evolved species of, of dog remember and they always fight the cat species that Sabretooth is don't you remember that nightmare that never happened Clark I don't know what you're talking about it never <laughs> happened it was the worst series ever created oh god but yeah no in 2001 uh, I remember like Joe Quesada saying this is gonna be a big deal blah 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 and I was like oh cool I, was like, I went to go buy it in the comic store and I read it and I was like why the fuck am I reading Downton Abbey as a Wolverine comic. And this is 10 years before Downton Abbey came out as a show. So that's how upset I was. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, we got the death of Dr. Strange, uh, Black Knight, X-Men kind of crossover. Uh, it's written by Cy Spurrier and illustrated by Bob Quinn. Dane Whitman and his recently discovered daughter, Jackie Chopra, uh, have to fight the Hungry Land, which was an evil realm held in place by Excalibur and the Stone until the sword was removed and Merlin Merlin imposed a spell holding it in. That spell was broken with the death of the Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Strange. So uh, Dane and Jax have to figure out a way to work together uh, and with the X-Men to push back the Hungry Land into another realm. Uh, They also team up with uh, Fazia Hussein. Um, Who is that? Amazing character. She's from an amazing character from Captain Britain and MI13, which is one of my favorite comics of all time series. Uh, that was Cy Spurrier also. Yeah, no, 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 never mind. Paul it was Cornell. not. It Paul was Cornell. not. My brain broke. Um, anyways, fool. British character is written by a British writer, and now it's a different British writer. And he, Cy, Cy Spurrier did write those characters in Legacy as well. So he has been using Faisal Hussein a few times. She is a just a, 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 a doctor that then connected in a way that now she's like Excalibur. She's just an amazing sword fighter nowadays. And she's really cool, except for now it seems she, her sword is stuck in some woman. Um, <laughs> she, I don't know. She's fabulous. She also has the ability to not resurrect people, but like, you know, heal. He like really, uh, she's a doctor so that was on the nose, but in a really good way. There was one where she literally had to rip, push off her hands through someone's body in order to like heal their heart and stuff. And it was, I don't know. But read that series written by I forgot Kaylin. I forgot Paul Cor- Paul Paul Cornell. Paul Cornell. Yes, Paul Rudd. Um, Paul Rudd. It was very good, and I'm I'm bad at that. Um, my favorite part about this is the fact that they really explain it, like they connect these weird dots that we didn't really know. The Excalibur and you know the sword and the stone thing, and now all of the stone is what made all of the ebony blade and everything else. It's fucking fantastic reveal. That was the best thing about it for me. Some I, well, they, I, that okay, mythology, okay. I think, uh, the, when they said, oh yeah, you pull the sword from the stone and then that releases, that released the hungry land. And then you're in my head, I thought, 
uh, wouldn't it be really neat if they like turned that stone into a sword? But uh, that'll happen in another series, whatever. And then no. you turn the page and it's like, no, that's it. It's a very satisfying expectations uh, and, and a payoff. I really, really enjoyed this as well. I think it was a wonderful follow-up to the Black Knight Mini series that Spurrier also wrote. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I liked the character of Jackie Chopra in that miniseries. I loved her in this one shot. Yeah. I loved the dynamic that she had with Dane, the fact that she wouldn't call him dad. And I mean, it was a little bit of a cliched moment, you know, at the end where she calls him dad, but like, I, it felt earned at the same time. Um, I, I think it's a neat way to like kind of build on the, on like the mythos of Black Knight. Uh, and Spurrier, my, my God, he writes the X-Men really well. Like if uh, Duggan like leaves that book, like Spurrier should be taking over X-Men. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. I mean, yeah, he's, this is an amazing version of them. Um, I think Chopra, th that is her. I was like, why is she so aggressive based on what he, so Spurrier had written in the previous series? Is because she was the first time really under control of the Ebony Blade, and, and that's why she was just a big, huge dickbag. I mean, I, that's why I thought it was acceptable at the end where she calls him dad because she wasn't yeah. thinking clearly for the rest of the time. This is the moment where she's finally thinking clearly. So I, I found it acceptable. I mean, she was basically just not listening to what anything Faiza had to say ever, even though Faiza was very reasonable. Um, I well, also like the fact interesting... that. Oh, sorry, go I also like the. I like the fact that I haven't been reading any of the death of Dr. Strange stuff and no. I did not feel lost at all. I was like, all I need, all it was was like, Oh, Dr. Strange is dead. Okay, cool. There's some weird shit happening over here. Yeah. It's all just read, like, like read this one story. Yeah. Someone's magic. Something went down. And so people have to fix that magic. Something. Yep. Right, I think sorry, the for duo of Dane and Jax is a very interesting one because it's like a buddy cop team, but uh, the thing that they can't trust is something that they're both in possession of. It's not like <laughs> their antagonism is really truly between each other. It's between this outside force that can fuck with their minds. And so you're reading this and you think, oh, this is kind of poor characterization. But then you kind of recognize that she's been taking over that sword. I I'm very excited to see how they work together in the future and how their trust can develop. Kaylin? Can y'all imagine if Spurrier had been writing Excalibur you know, from like the beginning of you know of Dawn of X. No, like, don't how make good me think that of that. Stop it. We're not getting it. We're I, not getting it. I know, I know, but that's all I was thinking about. Even though like it was a different version of Merlin, it was like you know clearly playing off like the different myths, and Merlin is very different in other world. Um, it like it just was like oh my god, like we could have had we could have had this, you know, and yeah. it's like I'm obviously Teeny got better with the book and I am looking forward to uh, tonight's at 10, but geez, geez, Louise. And then uh, I'm hoping that Faiza Hussein um, gets introduced in the MCU because one of the, the, the rumors is, is like for, for blade, they're looking for a, um, a North African or Middle Eastern woman uh, to be cast in an unnamed role. Yes. And Faiza, and Faiza, you know, obviously is linked with like Dane Whitman and black Knight. Uh, we know, like, uh, from the end of Eternals, like, uh, uh, when Dane grabs the ebony blade, bl uh, Blade himself is there. We just hear his voice. And so if they can bring all that stuff in, my God, I'm going to have yeah. a geek gasm. I Mark? was very happy with how pro-Dane uh, Faiza was. Like, they, he finally got, like, the most respect I've seen since Captain America and MI-13, which I've found... Captain Captain Britain. Yeah. I, you know how many times I'm going to change? I, I forget every single thing about my favorite, my third favorite series. <laughs> Listen, here, it's like Captain America. America. It's written by Peter David, and it's the best comic ever created. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, Devil's Reign, X-Men number one, which was written by Jerry Dugan and illustrated by Phil Noto. Uh, Mayor Kingpin has banned all superpowered vigilantes from New York and has sent the Thunderbolts to forcibly remove the mutants from the tree in Seneca Gardens. But Emma Frost has some tricks up her sleeve and is able to get the UN to do something. Namely, declare the tree a consulate for, for a sovereign nation. Uh, Fisk may have lost this round, but the war continues. Um, is this what X-Corp should have been about? X-Corp should have been about anything except what it was actually about. So sure. This, 
This is what X-Men should have been about. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's it's better than the regular series. And it's by, you know, it's by Jerry Duggan, who writes, who's writing both. Um, and also we have Jean's new costume, which is based on her uh, Hellfire Gala look. Um, I thought it was very good. I really enjoyed it. I mean, Emma I mean, Frost it- needs to be more heavily involved in the X-Men than she yeah. is currently. Well, there's the glaring plot hole that Wilson Fisk could have just used imminent domain to seize the tree. Um, but I guess they don't really want to get into New York real estate. Um, let's no. talk about the Electro Frost backstory. Um, what's the history on this? And do you guys have any guesses on who that girl that saw Electra murder someone might be? I do not at all. I don't really know the Electra Frost backstory, but I know um, Emma and and um, Kingpin. Yeah. And it's just that he helped her when she was trying to, you know, get out of just being some random hoe. I mean, not really, but, you know, that's that was one version of it. The history was that she was just some. What? Kaylin Finger. Yeah, I, uh, I I like that kind of the the way she described it is like she's like the um, nice version of like Wilson Fisk's like uh, you know like his own fist or like his an extension of him like she's the one that like gets things done through guile and through you know um, through uh, diplomacy of course she's using her 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 telepathy to control people which is also not very nice and. And then um, uh, Electra is like the blunt object. And so like when like Fisk has got to like have somebody off, like he sends in Electra when he's got uh, somebody who's, you know, needs to just change their mind. He's got Frost. And that's a really cool dynamic between the two because uh, Electra worked directly for Fisk like in, uh, I mean, the early 80s Daredevil, like when Frank Miller was first on there. So, I mean, Frank Miller created Daredevil. So like, you know, that's kind of when, you know, timeline wise is when, when, when Emma would, would have worked for, for Kingpin as well. I just felt the timeline, it just felt strange. Just in my mind, the Frost stuff would have happened so much earlier than the Electra stuff. And I guess it didn't really didn't, but it just feels, I don't know. Maybe it's just the it's age a, of the characters are in my mind or different to the point where, I don't know. It just felt strange. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, with that, uh, let's go into our last segment. As always, pucker up for some good reviews with uh, Plug Me Daddy, uh, where we get a chance to quickly highlight something that we've read, seen, heard, experienced, wanted to share with you, uh, the listeners. Um, I'll start with mine. Uh, I found this person uh, on Instagram named Mark Eastwood. That It's spelled M-R-K-S-T-W-D. Mark Eastwood, he's an illustrator in uh, Melbourne, Australia. His artwork, I think, is so great. It is this kind of um, retro style where he goes through a lot. Each character is like different looks and draws them in the kind of grand design uh, feel. Mm -hmm. Um, But he often takes the pieces that he likes the most and puts them together to make a more coherent look for individuals. And then he's got a lot of older stuff that's, uh, you know, these interesting kind of like almost tarot card style um, images. I think they're great illustrations. He has a website. Uh, I think it's Mark Eastwood at redbubble.com. So check that out. Kalen? Uh, yeah, I really like his stuff too. And I didn't realize how much I loved slash missed uh, the Rob Layfield design sunspot costume from the end of New Mutants. Because yeah. obviously I don't care for Layfield's art, but like I like that specific design and the way that Mark uh, drew it, I was like, I got really nostalgic. Uh, not that one, but uh, that one, oh. that one, that one's some like it's the one where he's got like the oh. little red jacket that's like kind of like almost below his. Like you're literally uh, yeah. looking at every other one, but but that one, that's it. Yes, I I fucking love that costume. Uh-huh. I just do. I think it's such it is. It is one of those things, it's like, you know, Broken Clock is right twice a day. It's one of those rare times that, like, Layfield got it right when it came to costume design. Uh, do you have a plug me? I do. Um, I do. Go ahead. Go. Okay. So I picked up 
this beautiful piece of art uh, a few months ago Ooh. at an event in uh, DC called AwesomeCon. And the artist is, uh, name is Sean Anderson. And he, his art takes a lot of like different like Marvel and DC characters. And he adds like, like kind of uh, almost like a, like kind of a flashy reflective imagery on it. So the one I bought was Cyclops uh, in a business suit. <laughs> Uh, and it just looks so cool because it's um, like he's wearing a very dark suit. He's got the full cowl and then uh, his optic blast look really, looks really cool and uh, um, just very, I don't know, just very interesting and reflective. And then there's a lot of uh, like uh, flowers behind it. Uh, and, I, and I finally got it framed uh, right after the holidays. So uh, I just need to find a place on my my walls to hang it up. But what is he? Uh, I'm gonna take a picture. I'm gonna take a picture and then put it on our Instagram. Is he zapping meat? Sure. Some beef. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's, he, he's, he's got meat. No, what vision, is it not though? Heat vision. <laughs> it looks okay. From yes, it looks like meat. It's just all it is. It's it's his optic blast. That's like that's that's like going in a different like different I way. I kind of want him to be like meat. cooking some meat or something. It's his easy way to cook. Do it. It's not cooking. It's an it's it's optic blast is concussive. It's not heat. Yeah, you, you listen here. You can concuss some meat into being cooked, right? Yeah, uh, some you, sort of way. I may be I may be a vegetarian, but I know that's some bullshit. Okay, <laughs> you Kaylin, don't, why you don't you concuss all your meat? Like you're not I gonna think... punch your way into getting a medium rare steak. You know you. Can. I mean, I think theoretically you can if you just apply enough pressure. It's at any temperature. It's you know. I'm done. I'm, I'm eating well, that meat. Yeah. Um, All right, so Clark. I'm, plug, I'm, a, I'm, plug us, Clark. I'm plugging my ability to make the X-Men legend characters of action figures of Namor and the new one of Hercules fuck. So yes. This is my this is my new version. Oh, let's see. I don't oh, know what the hell's God, going on. A, wait, what's an see. adult program? We've we've Wait, got everyone's what? legs are entirely the wrong way because as you do you literally like put your head the wrong direction. There seems like Hercules is running away, but he's really not, and everyone's kind of crab walking. It's very hot. And in the background, what, per usual, yeah. is Tigra and Jocasta with their hands raised, holding hands. Oh, that's cute. But what is that sexual position called, Clark? I don't know. I don't I think it's a reverse demigod. I was gonna say like the marine meat strap. Uh, it's called it's called the West Coast Avenger. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like an East Coast Avengers, but you turn them around. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's perfect. Exactly Anyways. Right. <laughs> yeah. We got anything else? All right. Bench? That's, That's all I got. No. All right. All right, you can find us on Twitter at Homosphere X and Instagram at uh, Homosphere Podcast. Rate and review us if you like us. We've been a Homo Superior, and you can check out our spinoff podcast, Jelly Bean Talk, which we're releasing one episode every three days, and they're six hours each. Uh, bye, little homos. <laughs> bye. Bye.